This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hey there, this is Matt Leggetti, your favorite comic book yeti. Did you know that if enough people listen to this podcast, advertisers give us money? Money we can then use to, say, pay our journalists. It's wild. Totally unrelated, we make this podcast using Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Even Grant can do it, and he's a grandpa when it comes to technology. Love you, Grant. Let me fill you in on what some of us in the industry call reasons to believe. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more and they make it super easy. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor's totally free, which is great when you're, say, a comic book journalism website who lives on donations and boyish charm. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. And hey, I love you. You are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy. Hello, and thank you for joining us again. We had a fun conversation before recording. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to my favorite cat shit talker. This is Miss Melissa White. Melissa, how are you? I am alive, and I feel like in these times, that is more than enough to ask for. (laughs) You know, it's true. I heard tell that this is the apocalypse in some places. You know, and bring at this point, I'm just like, bring the zombies. Hello, alien overlords. Where's the asteroid? Like, let's just get this over with. Yo, but I'm glad you mentioned zombies because you would want to be the worst kind of zombie. And this is something that I don't know we can work past. No, we can't. I'm sorry. I had to tell you this. Uh, Melissa wants to be one of the drowned zombies from Minecraft, and that's not okay. Hell yeah. I mean, I feel like if I'm going to go full zombie, number one, I'm not trying to survive the zombie apocalypse. I'm giving myself like maybe like a few days to try to get acclimate myself, but I love indoor plumbing. I love food. I do not love running. So like zombify me or let me go. Like it's fine. But if I'm going to zombify, I'm definitely going to turn into one of the Minecraft zombies. Like, come on. Why not make it fun? Why not have fun? See, that's just, it's too wet, and you're just in water all the time, and you're grabbing people's feet. Yes, I grab people's feet. I do a little ankle biting, like, um, um. Um, I feel like it's very fun. You don't know who's going to come by. Maybe it's a fish. You think it's a leg. You take a chomp. The fish is like, whoa, fuck you. I feel like, I feel like I'm really doing something for the environment. And they can't pull me up because my body just, like, you know, sloughs off because it's been waterlogged. Gross. Give me that gross shit. (laughs) 
I want it. Now, I need to know how you got this frame of mind, so we'll start at the beginning. Melissa, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Los Angeles. Really? Yeah. Native. For some reason, I thought you were an East Coast person, then you moved over there. You know, um, I wish I was, to be honest with you. I love the East Coast. The mentality, not all the snow. I'm okay. But the fall, I could mm. do. Fall is cool. Yeah, but I love the East Coast. I moved there when I was in my 20s. We have a tradition in my family where the women just fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Start a life somewhere else. My mom did it. My sister did it. And I had to continue the tradition by fucking off and moving to Boston for about eight years. Like in the city? Yes. Oh, dude. That seems like a lot. That's a lot. People in Boston are not as nice as LA people. Like there's no like friendly but meaningless conversation. <laughs> about your projects and like your dreams and shit. So uh, I didn't know what to do. I was like, why is no one looking at me? You're talking to me. Why don't people love me? Um, It's a very real concern I have. So growing up, were you in Los Angeles proper, your family? Or were you like just outside? I was born and raised in East LA. I was born in Hollywood, but I was raised in East LA. So yeah, LA proper, you know, very diverse neighborhood. Lots of like, different energies, different people to grow up around. And I think it like had a really positive impact on my on my life. You know, I feel like growing up in East LA was like fun and crazy. And I did a lot of stuff that I don't think kids should really be doing, like going to the Roxy at 17 and sneaking out of the house. They don't care <laughs> at the Roxy, but I was just like doing cool stuff. And I think that's, it desensitized me to a lot of things and gave me a little bit of the courage to do some things later on in life. Do you think that the growing up in an environment like that had an effect on you creatively? You've written a lot of horror stories. Was that kind of influenced by by growing up there? I think it was more so. I think horror becomes really attractive when you when you're dealing with um, any kind of trauma because it's a way for yeah. us to release and confront that trauma and then rem- like survive it and become victorious over it until the sequel and until the the trilogy. Um, these things, and I think horror has a lot of really cool lessons. When I grew up, my first movie that I remember was Nightmare on Elm Street. My sister made me watch it when I was like seven. So no, I don't know. Um, but I had like all of these terrible dreams and like had oh. already. So when I watched Nightmare on Elm Street, I was like, oh, oh no, it's me, it's me on screen. <laughs> I am Freddy. Oh no! And then Nightmare on Elm Street two had come out, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> am I Freddy? <laughs> Am I the gay? I don't think I'm the gay. I was the gay. <laughs> and how was your creative process growing up? Like, when did you decide that you wanted to start writing and, and creating? I started writing. I think I've always been writing. I've always dreamed of being writing. But my first iteration of writing was writing songs. My first song, A Bop, Prisoner of Love. So good in middle school. Um, so many yeah. accolades. But then when I, like, when I was older and I first discovered, like, Neil Gaiman and it was, like, I'd read Adam Green Gables and then I went to Neil Gaiman and then I went to Lord of the Rings and then, was, then it was over for me. And my right. first writing piece was uh, lesbian X-Men fan fiction. Really? Yes. And that's who, how was, who was shipping in that? Um, I was shipping, I was Kitty Pride because I wrote myself into it. I was of Kitty course. Pride and Storm. <laughs> and Storm, I was like with Storm and then like Rogue came along and Rogue was my best friend and we were like, you know, we're best friends. And then I had a crush on Storm, but then Storm never did anything about it. So then like, I was like, well, me and Rogue are together. And then Storm came and became involved. And then all of us were like in this weird polyamorous 
sex triangle. So, yeah. And where's this fiction located? Nowhere that anyone <laughs> is ever going to find. Um, thank Christ. Oh my God. <laughs> like, were you reading X Men comics back then? I did. I tried to, you know, I went to a couple of shops and I was so intimidated by them. I think the first shop I went into, these guys were playing Magic the Gathering. Oh, and they gosh. all just sort of like looked at me when I came in and I was like, oh no. And I was like, I want an X-Men comic. And he was like, which one? <laughs> an X-Men, obviously. But where is the X-Men? I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was so intimidated and I felt like I couldn't go into shop. So I went to the library and I started reading them from there. So yeah, I was a library nerd through and through. Well, yeah, but you saved yourself some money. Hell yeah, I did. We was we were cool. Like my mom would drop us off at the library and just let us go hard. And to this day, I'm actually banned from Los Angeles Public Library. No. I <laughs> what did you do? Too much. Oh my gosh. Too much. Um, I made a tent in there once. I like pitched a tent and had like a little fort, a reading fort in there. We just take all the books and then sit them in there. And they were like, <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I was like, it's just more comfortable. I brought pillows and blankets to the library. Yeah, I was. Well, did anyone disagree? Because they don't have a foot to stand on. It is more comfortable to sit, read in a pillow fort than to sit at those stupid table chairs. That is what I'm saying. And I really want Los Angeles Public Library especially the downtown branch, because that's the one I'm banned from, to know this. Pillow forts are more comfortable. Let kids read books in comfort. You know what's disappointing is I bet if you go back there now, if, if you could sneak past security and get back into that building, they would have nothing but like beanbag chairs and like those little fabric <laughs> wire tent houses in the kids section. You know they do? They actually have. I've been and they don't care that I'm banned. <laughs> They're like, okay, come right through. Nobody cares, only me. And like, I went into the kids section and they have like this like super sweet, like little, you know, big tent that's like shaped like a castle and everything. And it's like, they have like little things in there too for, for comfort for kids. And I was like, I started this. I gave you the idea, Los Angeles Public Library. Where are my cookies? You know, typical of that. I think they need to rename it the Melissa White Children's Section. They should. The only problem is, is that they are not watching me. So I wasn't just in the children's section. I was all over the place, like checking out books I probably should not have checked out. Um, but that's how I got the idea for this amazing lesbian threesome, <laughs> like thruple situation. That's that's where I got it. It's from stealing books in, from the library. And where did your writing progress from there? Like, did you just do fanfic motion, mostly? Or did it eventually, like, work up to full-length stories about original characters falling in love with each other? You know, um, yeah, actually it did. I I was super scared to write because, I, you know, I grew up as a poor Black girl. So I was like, oh, I need to make money and then I can pursue my dreams. Oh. And so I put off writing, like, to law school, tried to do Teach for America. I was doing all these things except the thing I wanted to do. Right. And then kind of resenting the thing that I was trying to do because I was like, well, you're going to take away from writing. So eventually um, I finally worked up the courage and was like, oh, oh yeah, let me just actually try this. And it's been successful so far. So I'm, I'm glad I took that leap of faith. And when did you start branching over into editing? You know, I was an English major. I've been editing projects, you know, since college, since high school, really. People would come to me with their papers. So 
Um, and I would be like, why are you coming to me? I'm not good at this. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I still don't. But you know, <laughs> but you know, it's been really awesome. It, it's kind of been part of my life for so long that it made sense for me. And right. I love hyping up other people's work and helping them tell the story that they want to tell. Like that brings me so much joy. I used to run like writing groups and everything and like helping people and not only that, but just like supporting them on their journey and seeing the story turn from like idea to completed work is really awesome and super hard. And I think writers deserve more credit for that. I I agree. Um, now, where do you find inspiration nowadays? I think mostly I my most of my inspiration comes from black exploitation, classic slasher movies, and queerness, queerness and blackness, and and marginalized communities, and where that intersects and how things in the world influence us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and dreams. Sometimes I have some wild ass dreams. And I'm like, I've got to write this down. Don't um, you sleep with a notepad by your bed? No, I don't. I do everything oh, on my no. phone now. I do. Sometimes, most of the time I forget my ideas and I'm like, oh, that was a great one. And then I'm just mad at myself because I feel like I had like the next shining. And when I look at it, sometimes it's like blue ghost. Ooh, and I'm like, I really was so keen on that idea what was i dreaming about just sitting down for like an hour going blue ghost (laughs) blue ghost is the ghost sad is is the colored sheet what's going on what is blue ghost what is the essence what's the ghost feel um i don't i look at that and i'm like okay delete (laughs) no not every idea is a good idea, but I do think that like an idea can be great if we spend time with it and we nurture it. But I'm not nurturing Blue Ghost. Blue Ghost. Yet. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah. And what sorts of media do you consume to, to kind of, you mentioned black exploitation. Are you talking about like the, the 70s, 60s, yeah. 70s movies? Absolutely, I do. You know, I watch a lot of, I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of records. I watch a lot of TV. Um, I'm a media junkie, so I'm mostly just like seeing how it's been done before, if it's been done before, how to develop characters, talking to friends, other writer friends, and getting bouncing ideas off of each other. And sometimes you come up with something that's you, that's good and you can't ignore it. I feel like Nightmare went through like 14 different iterations before it became what it is today. Really? And this is successfully funded Kickstarter campaign Nightmare. Yes, it uh, is. No- Number one, what kind of journey did you go from just like its nascent point to get into that final product? You said like 14 different people passing around? I like, so when I started Nightmare, the original Nightmare started as a haunt, a story set in a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Um, and a woman like interviewing with like a therapist and like, you know, ghost, uh, like paranormal activity people, paranormal researchers, I should say, and then going to the house to record the findings. And then she turns, she gets possessed by the energy of the house, the demon energy, and then becomes like, you know, a living ghost entity with powers and darkness. And I was like, yeah, that's so cool. And then I ended up like cutting certain things. I was like, okay, the perspective of the therapist, this is a little too like, what are we going to go into? okay, mm, the haunted house, like, how am I categorizing this house? What does the house look like? And then as I started to, like, make changes and iterations, and, like, I really ended up sticking with the idea of, like, the past coming back um, to kick you in the face. Um, 
And that's when, you know, nightmare sort of started to turn. And then it was like, okay, what do we do with things from the past? Do we like squash them down? Do we repress them? Are they there, but then we just ignore them? Um, and as I started to develop the characters around them, I started to get a, a better sense. So I picked some inspiration from um, Rob Zombie's Lord of Salem. Okay. And then I took some inspiration from like, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street, because that's, you know, my childhood love. And this was my first big comic. And then started, you know, taking Tenere to um, do, and then, you know, some of this and some of that, just like as many horror influences as I possibly could. And then, but also staying true to the story, which the story is about trauma and how it affects our communities and how it affects us and the horror that trauma can wreak. Once, once you think it's gone and like it comes oh, back. Yeah. And then you're working on a sequel to that, correct? Yes. So Nightmare is um, being published by Scout and we're on our way. We had a one Kickstarter and then we're launching Kickstarter for issue two since it's already done and ready to go into people's hands. We're going to be launching Nightmare issue two in November. No, November question mark? Question mark? <laughs> Give the people a little bit of behind the scenes as to running a Kickstarter. Because you were successfully funded, but it's not that easy. No, it is super, un- it's not easy at all. Night- uh, running Nightmare, I, the first time I ran Nightmare, it failed spectacularly. Really? Um, literally was like, ooh, um, made a noise and then a crash noise. And that's okay. Um, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, number one. Number two, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But most importantly, number three... I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't stop myself. I didn't market it. I didn't reach out to people. I didn't really post about it. I didn't put as much energy because I was fucking terrified. I was scared of running it. And then this time around, the second time around, I put a lot of energy in it, into it. I got variant covers. I got prints. I got pens. I talked to a bunch of people. I did like a little mini show with other horror creators that were coming out at the time and I was like hyping up their work um which is my normal mo but because I spend a little bit more time in the industry connecting with peers talking with people who run kickstarters it was a little bit easier and I did it in a bite-sized amount I did a single issue that I'd already put all my money into that was already completed just to make sure that I wasn't like asking for too much to see what the what tiers were successful and on this Kickstarter, even my like tarot reading tour um, mm-hmm. tier was successful. And that was really cool. That was really nice to see people embrace it in that way. And I think the, the main thing of it is, if I could give advice to anybody, is like you need a community because running a Kickstarter is hard. But the things that you learn from your first go around, you start applying to subsequent Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. And you can, the following that you build, the connections that you build within comics, I think is the most important thing to helping your success and to helping you be a creator because it's nice to have people to be like is this normal (laughs) sadly yes (laughs) sadly we've all been there i'm i'm sorry but at least you have that you know no i'm curious because you mentioned records earlier when you were working on well just any sort of horror writing like nightmare and little sister that you did for yule like what kind of music do you have playing are you a person that writes to music Yes, I need to have a movie on. Um, this is ADHD talking. There's a movie <laughs> on on silent, and then there's a record going or a playlist going. And I make playlists to hit certain beats. So I'll make a playlist, and usually I listen to a lot of like Goblin 
I listened to a lot of the It Follows soundtrack by Disaster Piece. They did a really fantastic job. Sonoa Caves that did um, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Um, let's see, what else? Yeah, I listened, the Us soundtrack was really integral to me a lot. Um, what is it, Michael Abel's did an amazing job. There's some really cool pieces up in there. And then, yeah, I just, I listen to horror soundtracks. I listen to like a lot of Radiohead and a lot of system of, I listen to a lot of metal actually. <laughs> um, like metal and rock help me get, hit those beats. And then I'll like, you know, throw in a little like, you know, R&B for a smooth ride. But yeah, it's, um, it's a process, I think. And it's fun. The, the fun part is making the playlist, the, the hard oh, yeah. part. Yeah. <laughs> No one wants to write. Let's <laughs> curate a playlist. Just make a playlist. It'll it'll help a little bit. But then once you get to the actual writing, you'll be like, this song, this song fucking slaps. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the goblin. I'm going hard. And then I'm like, I'm not doing any writing. Um, that might be the ADHD. That might just be being a procrastination superstar. So I have to ask you a question. Uh-oh. Would it be fucked up if shoes moaned whenever you put your feet in them? Oh my god, it would be fuck shoes at that point. If they start moaning, it's over. It's over. I'm going barefoot for life. I'm gonna be a hobbit up in this face. No. Like, would it depend on what kind of moaning or just the entire concept of it? The entire concept. If it's specifically moaning. If you moan in pain, I'm not gonna wanna put my, my foot in you and hurt yeah. you more, shoe. Um if you're moaning in pleasure, I'm going to be creeped out, man. I'm not, food stuff is not for me. Um, but what if it's your favorite pair of shoes? Then it's still, still, no. No moaning for shoes. None. None. What if, what if they didn't have, they didn't moan, but they had googly eyes that looked at you? That's even creepier. Then moaning? Even- then moaning is like, uh, is that kind of weird where you're like back away slowly. Looking at me is demonic and I want no part of that. Unless the shoes looked at me with kindness and they were like really validating. Then I'd be like, oh, besties. <laughs> so now I'm confused because like putting a foot in a shoe, this makes them so happy. But because when they're moaning at me, then it's not just happy. It's, you know, it's, yeah. What if it's kind of muffled because your foot, your foot's in their mouth? Oh, <laughs> I should have done that noise, but I'm gonna do it again. No, that, we're just gonna loop that a couple more times. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. I can't wait to hear it. Um, if it's making muffled moaning noises, like yeah, I love. Oh, I love the feet. I love the way they smell. Then. Mm-mm. I don't know why the shoes that I imagine are Tim's and it's a, it's happening in New York. It's like a New York accent. And it's just like, I love your feet, ma. What do we smell? Put your foot in here. I'm like, ow! <laughs> if they did that, what what is your answer? Now I'm concerned. <laughs> well, it's like, okay, so my, <laughs> my favorite pair of shoes is this blue and orange Air Force Ones. Mm-hmm. And if they moaned, I'd be like, Okay. They're really comfortable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, you're giving the shoe what it wants. So. <laughs> Who am I to judge? Um, to judge anyone's preferences, you know? 
And besides, it's not like you're wearing the same shoes all the time. No, no, you have to give those shoes a break. Okay, you can't pleasure pleasure them out. But what? <laughs> what about what about like what what about the shoe that you're rotating to? What if the shoe that you're rotating to was always kind of like made a passive aggressive comment every time you put your foot? Oh, see, that would turn me off. I do not care for passive aggression in any form or fashion. From relatives to, to footwear. No thanks. Very specific spectrum. As a regression that you will not stand. Um, I love it. I support it. Um, yeah, absolutely. But so, like, let's say the shoe is like, like at first it's like, you know, it seems like it's kind of like whatever, but it's not. It does. So it's passive aggressive in the sense of it's like, oh yeah, you're wearing you. That's that's great. Oh yeah, just uh, just slide your foot right in. <laughs> sure. This, mm. yeah, this is great. Oh, mm. uh, nice. Uh, <laughs> mm. Well, you tell their heart's not in it. Uh. <laughs> that's, that's the tongue. You got to stick the tongue out. So it really <laughs> emphasizes that. Uh, yeah, and it's, it seems like you're like, what do you mean? Okay. And then after a while, you're like, I think there's something behind this. I don't think they're as excited to get worn out on the tongue. <laughs> The next thing you know, you're sitting in your closet having a discussion. I mean, nobody wants that. Just <laughs> like I've gathered you all here today um, because I experienced something and I wanted to talk to you about it. <laughs> now to to uh, segue awkwardly away from that, uh, Melissa White, there there are five questions here okay. that we ask every guest. Mm-hmm. It's based off of James Lipton inside the actor studio. Lay it on me. Are you ready? It's number one. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite sound effect? The one that I do with my mouth all the time is um, making an e woo sound is oh, life giving. Feels so good. Do you ever try and incorporate that into your comics? You know, I haven't, but now, now I will. I'm very excited to, <laughs> to see the whiteout on the page of Nightmare Two. He <laughs> won't. And what is something about the medium of sequential art that you love? That it's a communal aspect. You have to collaborate with so many different kind of, kinds of creative people with different schedules and different inspirations to create something that's not really ever truly yours, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. I think that's super awesome. Oh, absolutely. And what is something about that medium that you dislike? I will say, you know what, I think the thing that is most kind of drives me a little crazy um, is how long it takes to make a comic. Dude, yes. It takes a while to, and and you're like waiting for it and you're there every step of the way. But sometimes when you're excited to talk about something and you just can't wait for people to put their eyes on it, um, then you're just sharing lines on your stories or like on Twitter, just like, look at this one line, something great's gonna happen, trust me, (laughs) trust the process. And everyone's like, why are you making this a puzzle? But I think it, I think the time length of how long it takes to come out with things um, is kind of annoying, but sometimes it takes that long to make great art. Oh yeah. And that's, that's something I wish a lot more people understood. Like it takes so much time and you can't rush any pro- part of the process. No. And sometimes like you have a, you have a creator that you're working with 
and you know they're going through something and you're stuck trying to debate okay whether should i should i work with another creator because you know they're going through something they're saying something like i'm excited about this um am i annoying them if i ask them for an update and everything it's the basics of working with people Mm -hmm. Um, And then working with creatives whose schedules are not always in the normal nine to five hours, regardless of time zone, you know? So in order to do that, I feel like it requires a lot of like skill and it requires some diplomacy. And you also can't take yourself too seriously. Like they're another person, you know? So respecting their boundaries and respecting their time and being honest and communicative up front allows for some ease and process because sometimes like life happens, shit actually happens. Not everybody can do things in the way, in the time frame that we think that they're going to do. Absolutely. Uh, number four is one of my favorites. It's what's your favorite curse word that's not actually a curse word? Ooh, I need a second for that one. You know what I like to say? What? William H. Macy. <laughs> James or Jesus H. Christ. I'm just, I don't know. He's a talented actor. I'm bringing attention to his skills. It's not a curse word, but I'm always just like saying, William H. Macy, that's dope. <laughs> He's awesome. I've also started to incorporate um, wave into my words. So I like to say Jiminy and Jillikers. I think that's one. Yeah. From, uh, isn't that from The Simpsons? Hell yeah, it is. Jiminy Jillikers. Jiminy Jillikers. <laughs> Oh, man, I haven't thought about that in a minute. Thank you. You're welcome for that. Um, I hope everyone starts using it again because it's amazing. And, by, yeah, it's, I think it's fun. So Jiminy Jillikers and William H. Macy. And we got the last one. I got some bad news. Uh-oh. Melissa White, you just died. Your cat pushed you out a window. Good. <laughs> Thank you for releasing me. <laughs> so let's say you show up at, at heaven if there's a heaven. Mm-hmm. And you get to the pearly gates, and you're greeted by uh, Jack Kirby himself, Jacob Kurtzberg. What do you hope he says to you? What do I hope that he said to me? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to say what I immediately thought. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I would hope that if I that if I ever see him uh, in the great beyond, across the rainbow bridge, I would hope that. Uh, he would shake my hands, look me up and down, and then connect deep into my eyes and say, you're not my wife. Um, <laughs> maybe it's sad with a little look. I mean, who knows? I was hoping he'd say, I read your fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I would know that I was in hell, actually. <laughs> oh, God. Ah, you thought you got me. I know I'm in hell. Where can people find you on uh, the socials and buy your stuff? Ooh, you can find me on at Melissafent, M-A-L-I-S-S-I-F-E-N-T, on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, um, wherever you get your socials and your media. You can find oh, me good. there. And you can also find me there on Xbox Live, if that's what you're into. I'm an Xbox girl. Uh, sorry, uh, this is a PlayStation household. We're going to cut this short now. Oh, okay. Well, goodbye. <laughs> Again. Um, yikes, PlayStation people. But yes, you can find me there. And you can also purchase my work um, 
via my website, velvetsister.com. You can reach out to me at any time. My DMs are open. You can ask me about comic stuff or um, you can watch me try and fail to make you laugh. That is that's what I'm here for. Melissa, <laughs> you are a delight. Thank you so much for, for joining me today and answering a bunch of S9 questions. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit comicbookyeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit grantstoy.com or on Twitter at Grant and Stuff. <laughs>